Welcome back to the Wheels in Motion podcast. It's been a while, but we have some great content coming to you in 2020. So stay tuned. Hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for joining today's Carter Logistics Podcast. My name is uh, Rich Kenny. I'm one of the sales managers on our Carter Logistics sales team. And today I'm joined by Mr. Mike Berry. He's the forwarding administrating manager with our Hitachi sister company, Vantech Hitachi Transport System. And he works out of our Chicago, Illinois branch office. Uh, Mike is joining me via Zoom meeting today. And our subject today is evaluating your freight forwarder. Now, from time to time, importers and exporters find that they have a need to look into a change in their freight forwarder. So today we'll be covering some evaluation topics and also we'll discuss the very timely coronavirus epidemic. It's impacting many international companies in the U.S. and globally. Uh, as a couple of examples today, there were some pieces in the news of interest. Uh, the WTO in Geneva announced today that global trade and goods will likely stay weak in the coming months as disruptions from coronavirus in China staunch the movement of goods and international commerce. And that led to some uncertainty. And they did note that container shipping is declining and air freight readings are stabilizing heading into a period that's really expected to rise with the approaching Easter holiday. Uh, in addition, in the news, automotive giant Volkswagen announced today that the coronavirus has halted the start of production by a week at all their Chinese plants that it runs with a joint venture, uh, a group called SAIC. They were citing supply chain and logistical issues, and they also noted something interesting. They mentioned that limited travel options were out there for their production employees. That is slowing down their ability to get that plant going in China. Uh, they've targeted the end of February as the start of production there. In addition, lastly, the Wall Street Journal mentioned in their headline this past weekend that China's shipping is near a standstill amid the coronavirus disruption. Uh, they noted in their article that ships are leaving as little as 10% full and some sailings are being questioned. So this raises questions for those of us in the international community. I thought I'd first start, Mike, with you explaining to our audience a little bit about yourself as an international freight forwarder, maybe a little bit about your background in logistics, and then go into a bit of a description about Vantech Hitachi Transport. What kind of services do you offer for importers and exporters? Yes, absolutely. First off, thanks for having me, Rich. It's great to be on with you. As an international freight forwarder, we are a full-service logistics partner. And I want to emphasize that word partner versus what a lot of our companies in this industry tag themselves as a logistics provider. So we could talk more about the importance of that later. But when I say full-service, I mean that we will assist from all aspects A to Z. 
uh, a pro- significant portion of our clients are shipping internationally, whether that be importing into the U.S. or exporting from the U.S. to anywhere in the world. So if anyone's listening that's not familiar with international logistics, when I say A to Z, for example, if we're importing a shipment from, let's say, Korea to one of our clients here in the U.S., to begin, our overseas colleagues at our Hitachi Korea office would communicate with that client's Korean supplier. Our colleagues will pick up the shipment in Korea make a booking with one of our airline or ocean carrier partners. And then once it arrives in the U.S., we'll complete customs clearance and arrange delivery to the client's facility. Now, that's just a simplified description of what we do for most clients. There are also a lot of other value-added services kind of throughout the process. And that's also just, like I said, that's our international segment, which is what we do for most of our clients. But We're also serving 3PL, contract logistics market, project cargo, and supply chain management solutions. I can talk more about those later, but uh, to answer your question about size, Hitachi is a medium to large size freight forwarder. In 2019, we were in the top 25 for ocean freight forwarders globally. And we came in at number 22 for air freight forwarders. I think the last part of that question you asked was how I got into this industry. So out of college, I took a job with one of the major steamship lines. My degree was actually in finance. And when I graduated, I took an accounting job. So I was working entry level for one of the steamship lines, making 30, 35K a year, and I was loving it. And uh, that's what introduced me to logistics, and I actually ended up really liking it. So I moved out from accounting into exports, and I became very well-versed in geography, and I enjoyed working with all our offices globally and just learning the different parts of the world. Um, I remember at the time I would kind of show off to my friends on the weekend. I would, I would ask them to name a country and I name the capital. They weren't as impressed as I was, but, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it sounds like you've got the experience we need on today's broadcast. If a company's reviewing their freight forwarding program and relationship this year, what would be some typical pain points a customer would experience that would lead them to start shopping for a new freight forwarding partner? Yeah, that's a great question. We see that a lot. Um, and I don't know if it's just in this industry, but you know, when we're going out and talking to new clients, typically they're either not happy or they're just kind of on an annual basis. Sometimes they're shopping around to see what other options are out there. And the number one reason that I've heard and seen from clients not being happy, it it sounds simple and it also doesn't sound like a business answer, but it's communication. It's very similar to like a relationship between people. If communication is not strong between a forwarder and their client, the quality of what you're trying to do on both sides is going to suffer. 
So in logistics, we're partnering with clients to help them fill the need or solve a problem. On a basic level, that need is receiving or shipping merchandise. So when a client needs an upcoming order, for example, if they need to make a deadline or say they need to get their products on the shelves before Christmas, communicating that schedule and any changes to that schedule are imperative. In this industry, um, when everything goes to schedule, it's pretty easy. So you probably see that too. You know, we give us a client a schedule and everything goes to schedule. Everyone's happy. Everyone loves each other. But when outside factors arise, that's when the pain points come in. Right. This, yeah, this is where we pride ourselves because our main competitive advantage is our customer service. A lot of our client testimonials come from our ability to strongly communicate, keep them updated, and then offer solutions if there are any problems because our clients understand that there are factors, you, you see it too, that can cause delays and sometimes it's out of our hands but it's how you communicate that info and solve issues with offered solutions. Sure. I would say that communication is really a very personal issue for the client. Uh, Do you ever see cases where there's professional reasons uh, that would be taken into consideration when they're evaluating their freight forwarder, uh, especially in the area of experience, and the personnel that that work for the freight forwarder. How important are those aspects? Yeah, I've I've seen it uh, both ways, actually. Obviously, it's important for a company to have systems and management layers in place, training, et cetera. But I would say, yeah, from a professional level, um, talent and attitude can be powerful forces. I'd say enough to drive the level of success and service at a company and just kind of make people want to work with you. So I used to be the export manager and um, yeah, I just saw it, you know, with people in general, it's a people business. So if you've got a good attitude, you might not be the strongest employee, but you kind of raise the bar for everyone around you, not only internally, but I'd say with clients. Clients want to talk with you every day. They want to check in with you. And I would say that alone just kind of helps raise the bar. Sure. I was going to say as well, you mentioned training. And in talking to my own clients, that seems to be an increasingly important area for them. Uh, when the freight forwarder is being evaluated, do you think the ability to provide training about the aspects of international transportation comes into play? Uh, one area that comes to mind for me would be term of sale training. But how do you feel about that training element? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, started with a smaller freight forwarder. So after I'd worked for that steamship line, they actually had moved our department to Arizona. So I was offered a job to go move to, from Chicago to Arizona. I probably should have taken it. Probably a lot nicer down there than it is in Chicago right now. But um, I didn't go. So I 
ended up going from there to a different freight forwarder, a smaller company. And it was a good company, but when you work for some of these smaller companies, they don't have the same resources and you know, you're not getting regular training or you're not getting things like that. And so throughout my career, I've, I've noticed the difference. So when you work for now, like I said, we're a medium, larger company and training does make a difference. It's noticeable. Um, you see things like just consistency, awareness, ownership. And when you invest time in training in your personnel, it shows within the company. And more importantly, I would say it shows within your brand in the client's eyes. Mm-hmm. I was going to say as well, you mentioned in your history there going to a smaller company. And sometimes when customers are evaluating freight forwarding, they look at the amount of freight forwarders that they have on the docket. Uh, they might have a separate freight forwarder for air freight, a separate one for ocean freight. Are there any advantages in this evaluation process in looking at running it separately or maybe working with a global company with all the capabilities? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it is important. It's, I mean, you could do it either way, but if you're working with a forwarder that is handling all of those different modes, and they're more of a, a full service solution. And I think it's going to make your life easier. So if you, for example, if you have a, a forwarder that only handles ocean freight and you're shipping an ocean freight shipment from, say, China, and you needed to get to the U.S. And if that shipment is delayed, for example, say it gets stuck at the port, maybe it misses its scheduled vessels. So then it gets bumped to the next one, which is a week later. And then from there, you know, God forbid if there's port congestion and it gets delayed another five or six days. So you're already 10, 11 days behind schedule at this point. And so you're looking at your deadlines and your schedule and you say, all right, you know what? We can't, it's going to be too close at this point. We need to air freight this thing. So from there, if you're working with a forwarder that handles ocean and air, that's simple. You just talk to your representative and say, Hey, we want to switch the mode of transport from ocean to air. And that's no problem. And that freight forwarder should be able to check a schedule for you. They should be able to give you a couple different options and, basically meet, you know, help solve your, your problem or meet your deadline. But if that forwarder you're working with only handles ocean, then you've got to kind of jump through some new hoops. You gotta, you gotta take the freight. You gotta tell them, okay, we need to bring it back to the warehouse. We need to transfer it to a different freight forwarder that handles there. And then you gotta kind of start from scratch with that new forwarder. And again, that's doable, but it's just a little extra work and you don't, you're not working with the company that can offer different solutions based on an ever-changing environment. Great, great. Oh, oh you know what, Rich? One more good example, which we run into quite a bit, is um, we see it where that kind of just reminded me, you know, there's always, with clients, there's always going to be something changing, right? Mm-hmm. So on an import shipment, we see this a good deal. Um, something's coming in. And originally, they want it delivered to their warehouse or their their door right away. So it arrives here in the U.S. We're getting ready to clear customs. But a lot of times, we have clients come to us and say, you know what? We actually can't take it right now. Or 
we we overplanned. We've got too much freight. Can you hold it for us? So that's kind of another thing we see quite a bit. And we have warehouses throughout the country. So here in Chicago, we have a, a bonded warehouse, actually, customs bonded warehouse. So we, a lot of times what we can do for clients is we say, all right, well, we can stick it at our warehouse here in Chicago as long as you want. And we also don't have to clear it right away. So since we're a bonded warehouse, we can bring it in. And that does a couple things. That's going to save them money because once you clear the freight, then duties are going to be due to customs and the government within 10 days. So if we're sitting in here in our warehouse for a month, then they're kind of, they're able to sit on those duty, that duty payment. And they're also not having to pay any airline storage, which, you know, we'll probably still charge some kind of storage, but it's going to be a fraction of what you would pay with the airline. Good update. And you mentioned challenges. And I think one that we'll talk about today right now is this coronavirus epidemic. It's a worldwide epidemic. Uh, starting to be found on a small basis here in the U.S., but really where it's going to go is kind of unknown. In the logistics world, uh, what are you finding the effects will be on the various services, the air and ocean service? You talked about order flows earlier. I'm sure that'll be a key point of it. And on the import ocean side, I was wondering your thoughts about this epidemic uh, on the upcoming import ocean contract negotiations this spring. Uh, how does the outlook look at the moment to, for that? Yeah, it's uh, it's been significantly disrupting supply chains, and it's unprecedented actually. So we've been it's been uh, we've been dedicating quite a bit of resources just to kind of stay on top of this situation and try to keep our clients updated as best we can. It's not one of those things where there's been previous versions. So for example, you know, when we have like a a port dispute or when we have the uh the negotiations between uh the port of Los Angeles and the longshoremen and we kind of see that regularly so we know kind of how it's going to play out, we know how to update. But with this there's a lot of moving parts and China being one of US's largest trading partners, it it's been all modes of transport have either been shut down or severely crippled and clients are panicking and we're, we're doing whatever we can to keep them updated and have plans in place. Um, it's a scary thing too, right? Cause the Chinese government is rightfully taking precautions to protect the people and limit the spread of virus. But in doing that, they've, all of the locations in China have kind of been shut down since the Chinese New Year. So that normally ends uh, at the end of January. It was supposed to end, but with the coronavirus, the Chinese government extended the closure into the first week of February. Then most of the China regions from there were extended again to February 10th to, to remain closed. And now, Almost all the major cities have reopened, but when you say reopen, that's kind of a, a farce because the Chinese government is still taking significant precautions. And in order for Chinese companies to reopen, they're having to demonstrate to the government that they can operate with a proper level of hygiene and follow strict guidelines 
to limit any risk of additional spread of the virus. So that's delaying it also. There's kind of an application process. So that, um, along with some other variables, uh, the workers have not been returning to work. So they've put a lot of travel restrictions in place. They were locking down the cities. So with a lot of people traveling for Chinese New Year, going home to their families, they usually come back at the beginning of February and they, they'll go back to the Chinese companies and production will begin again. But at least half the workers hadn't gone back. Um, we're seeing the same thing with the trucking situation in China. They're about 50% power for truckers over there. So everything is kind of slowly coming back. And we've just been doing our best to basically tell clients it's there's not a lot of definitive answers. Um, some recommendations we've been giving are hyper-communicate. So communicate with your suppliers. Ask them when they're going to be back open. Ask them when they're going to realistically be filling orders um, with the service. Um, with the service, the lack of service, a lot of the carriers, all the passenger flights between China and U.S. have been canceled. A lot of the freighter flights have been canceled. And as you mentioned earlier, there's been a lot of blank sailings. So all this eventually will be coming back. And we, right now we're forecasting maybe around April, things are going to kind of start to be coming back to normal. So it's it's going to be a bit of a process. Sure. And I was going to touch on with you also, is it a good time when you're looking at a new freight forwarder to consider maybe the benefits of sourcing your imports from multiple suppliers in different locations as averse to just supplying your import needs, as an example, from China. Uh, I spoke to a domestic company or company last week, and the customer told me that they were concerned if they start to source their goods in the United States, that the new company might actually be importing some of the components and the delays could be affecting them that way. What do you see in the area of uh, multi-sourcing, multi-country sourcing? Yeah, that's a very important point. Source so. Sourcing diversification is what we've called it. It's one of those things that doesn't seem to be a problem until it becomes a problem. And again, China being one of the largest trading partners, many companies have not seen a need to source from other locations. Although in the last two years, if you if you don't have trading partners other than in China, you've felt the pain. Between tariffs and the coronavirus, you've been forced to look for sourcing in other areas. We um, have, it's one of those things where we don't know exactly where all our clients are sourcing from. We try to have a good idea on that, but they may be working with, like you said, there's other forwarders too. Sometimes a client will be working with three or four forwarders. So, we don't know necessarily they might be sourcing some of their freight from India with another forwarder. But we do. This is one of the things that we recommend to our clients is try to diversify. Because if you wait, so like in cases with the tariffs or coronavirus, we see it where some of these clients have not diversified. And then when an issue arises, 
it's almost too late because you're trying to source from other locations and everyone's trying to do it at the same time and it makes it a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. It's um it's got some similarities to the stock market. You know, you need to be diversified and then you you know, you can't chase what everyone else is doing. It's too late at that point. You need to kind of have that in place ahead of time. So yeah, that's that's a good point. Also, uh, Mike, in the evaluation process, we can get back to that. Uh, some companies have questions about dealing with a freight forwarder that has agents overseas versus one that owns its own offices, as Vantec Apache does. Are there ever cases where a global freight forwarder would use an agent? Uh, can you explain to our viewers uh, and listeners why that might be an important thing to consider? Sure. Yeah, it's. It's uh, always a benefit to have your own offices, and if you have a a nice network overseas, then you have that coverage, which helps. Uh, in there are certain cases where we're working with agents as well, and it kind of depends where your coverage is. So, Vantech Hitachi, being a Japanese company, our international headquarters are located in Japan. We have a very strong presence in the Far East, so we have uh, a network of offices across China, across the Pacific Rim over there, uh, India, and obviously lots of offices in Japan. But there are some areas where we don't have as many of our own offices. So we work with partners. For example, South America. We we have different partners that we work with in some of the regular lanes that we ship to in South America, like Brazil, Chile, and so it's okay to work with partners as well, but there are advantages that come with having your own offices. And that is a good question. You've got certain things like you're, you're going to have better visibility. A lot of times you're on the same system. So you, you're going to be able to see when, you know, tracking updates, when freight's been picked up. Um, when you're working with your own network, usually you have a, an idea on the pricing. You know, you you know what you're getting as far as agreed upon costs. Whereas if you're working with an agent, um, you don't know, you know, they might be marking up a little bit more on you, which ultimately translates to the end price that you're offering your customer. In the evaluation too, Mike, uh, how important is it to take a look at the way documentation is flowing, whether it be ocean freight, air freight, or customs? Would the evaluation time be a good time to consider using a forwarder and a customs broker combined as opposed to the two separate entities? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, great question. Um, This actually ties in with the last question and also kind of the training aspect we talked about earlier. It's, It's important to have that experience because you want a freight forwarder who's going to be kind of your right hand. So they're not only doing a service for you, but they're also kind of protecting you. So a a forwarder with experience knows what to look for. So when they're looking over your documents, if they see anything that raises a red flag, they're going to bring it up and they're going to say, Hey, is this right? Or, Hey, I noticed this, you know, you might want to look at that. And so that experience level and having someone who's going to know how documents need to be filled out, they're going to know what to look for is important. Uh, just to give you an example, on the export side, like I said, that was my background. We Here we conduct a regular audit on every export shipment. 
that we handle. So this kind of protects us again, and it also protects the client. So when we go through and we check these different audit points and we screen all the parties involved in a transaction, if anything arises, there's any findings, we bring that to the client before we process a shipment and then they can tell us, okay, that's correct or, oh, thank you, we need to fix that. And then we're not going to run into a compliance issue down the line. Finally, Mike, I'd like to talk a little bit about freight insurance because this time of evaluating your freight forwarder might be a good time to think about the insurance program you're involved with. I know domestically it's a very important issue in 2020. It's affecting trucking companies in the United States. And I heard on the ocean freight side there's a FPA clause that can cause a problem if uh, my current freight forwarder forwarder does not offer, say, the proper international freight insurance coverage. Would this be a potential problem that should be really reviewed at this time? Yeah. Yeah, that's another good item to bring up. And I'd say this also kind of ties in with the last question. And uh, also training, same thing. So it's kind of important to have insurance, but sometimes cargo insurance may not be in the best interest of the client. So we always offer insurance. And again, it kind of goes back to training. So cargo insurance is one of those things that's been around. But if you just offer it with every shipment, it again, it may not be in the best interest for the client. It might be good for the, the freight forwarder because you make a little bit of money. When you sell insurance, you're probably going to have a little bit of profit in there. But it's kind of a and not a one-size-fits-all type of thing. So it kind of depends on the situation. For example, if a client has high-valued merchandise, then that would be a red flag where the freight forwarder or the, uh, the customer service representative handling that account should see that and say, they should ask the question, hey, do you guys have your own insurance policy? Or, hey, should we be giving you cargo insurance and then we can give you a quote. Whereas, you know, conversely, if the client's shipping merchandise that isn't high valued or say they have their own policy already, then they might not need that additional coverage. It might just be something that they're paying for that uh, isn't necessarily needed. Well, Mike, I thank you very much for today's session on evaluating your freight forwarder. As many of our listeners might be interested in these topics, do you have any contact information yourself that you can pass to our audience? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, always reach out to us here at the local Chicago office. Our phone number is 847-545-3200, and my particular extension is 1082. Or you can send me an email at mike.berry at hitachi-bht.com. Or you can always re, uh, visit our website at www.hitachi-bht.com. Mike, I want to take this opportunity to thank you on behalf of our Wheels in Motion audience for this very useful information on evaluating your freight forwarder and also for the insight into how the coronavirus epidemic is affecting international supply chains today. On behalf of Mike, I am Rich Kenny, and I thank you for joining us on this Carter Logistics podcast. We look forward to providing additional international podcasts from Carter Logistics in 2020.
Thanks for listening to the Wheels in Motion podcast. If you have an idea for an upcoming podcast, please email us at marketing at carter-express.com. Until next time.